Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for turning in to The Girl, The Beard, and The Grim. How are you doing today? Getting there. It's It's been a long day to get to this point. It's been a long week. This is true. It's It's been a very long week, and I'm glad that it is Saturday. Like, the day this is releasing, we're recording right now, Saturday morning. So we might have crashed into it a little bit, but it's fine. Yeah, so been a long week. Yeah, Mercury, for sure. Mercury is in Mercury. 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 And retrograde. What does that mean? If my voice cuts out, it's because I had a a little procedure done this week where they put a camera down my throat and I keep getting these dry spots as I talk. They give you the endoscopy. Endoscopy. As the doctor would say. <laughs> endoscopy oh yes (laughs) (laughs) all right guys well we have a short story for y'all today it's about a real lady but they also consider it an urban legend too so it's an urban legend based on reality like most urban legends are yes yes okay um and it's in texas again we are stay, sticking to local. Sticking to local. I guess we've just got a bunch of freaks here. Well, we also, we have a larger local audience. And the, whenever we had submissions that are like, hey, can you look into this? It's like stuff that's like within like 30, 40 miles of where we live. So. Yes. So this is the story of the candy lady, um, a.k.a. Clara Crane. Clara Crane. Yes. Now, is there any relation to the candy man? No. So totally different thing. I don't think so. I think it's a totally different thing. None of it has like crossed over in any of my research. Okay. I just, I find it strange. There's a candy lady and a candy man and they never met up and had candy children. That's all I'm saying. Well, there are candy children in this story. Oh, for Christ's sake. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what do you got for me? All righty. So this actually takes place in Terrell, Texas, which we are very familiar with that town. Yeah, they recently got a Bucky's, which was a big deal. Not recently. Maybe like in the last, like, what, eight years? Something like that. And if you hear our dog barking, he's upset that he's not in here to listen to the story. Yeah, he's he's cranky right now because he can't <laughs> be in the recording room. Um, so this is um, takes place at the turn of the 20th century um, and is about a young woman named Clara. She lived on a farm in rural Texas outside of Terrell. With her husband, Leonard, and their five-year-old daughter, Marcella. Okay. Uh, The backstory is that uh, born in 1871, uh, Clara then married, obviously not after she was born, but she married Leonard Gilbert Crane. He was an older man who owned a local farm. Uh, The two were married for a short time before Clara became pregnant and gave birth to their one and only child, Marcella, who they nicknamed Marcy. Alrighty. Uh, the little girl was adored by her mother. Like, Clara worshipped this little girl. Like, considered her a miracle. And she just became one of those parents that was completely 100% consumed by their child. Gotcha. Some of those parents drive me nuts. But, mm. I mean, if it's the late 1800s, early 1900s, no, you get anything else going on. So you couldn't vote yet. In 1893, at only five years old, tragedy struck the family. And Marcella was killed in a farming accident. Now, what classifies as a farming accident? Well, her father, Leonard, um, was supposed to be watching her while Clara had went to town. 
Um, and the reports later found out that he had been drinking at the time of the accident. And, uh, yeah, let's just say it was pretty tragic. They, they don't really say like exactly what the farming accident was. It was really hard for me to find that, but I did hear some, some stories that said it was like, she was ran over by some farming equipment so one of them said she was attacked by an animal but either way this is more of a case of like drunk wall farming yes dwf yeah <laughs> yes. so okay so understandably clara was completely devastated of this was course. her whole world well know? i mean it, even if that child isn't your whole world like it that's losing a child's a big deal Yes. So Clara blamed Leonard for the death of their daughter and became very withdrawn um, from reality. Well, of course. Okay. Investigators found out that Clara and Leonard, um, or the investigators had found both Clara and Leonard uh, innocent of any foul play in Marcella's death. So. chalked it up to being just a pure accident that even if he hadn't been drinking, I guess still could have happened well i don't think there was quite as much of the stigma about drinking in the 1800s so i don't think they'd invented things like negligent homicide or manslaughter yet quite to the same degree we have now true they were Um, like oh you've only had four pints you're fine (laughs) (laughs) but the grief um just kept consuming uh clara she just couldn't function anymore right um two years of grieving and claire became more and more convinced that her husband was to blame and then in 19 i'm sorry in 1895 clara took her revenge Uh she made some homemade caramel candy and she laced it with poison she offered it to leonard and then the day after um so he passes right the day after he passes a neighbor ends up stopping by to check on her um, and ended up finding Clara like in a f- frenzied, total manic state, and she like couldn't like she was speaking, but none of it made sense. She was all over the place. Like they assumed that she was on something herself, and so they ended up um, calling the police out. Well, before the police come out, a large fire ends up being started by Clara outside the home. Okay, hang on. So she ends up up. starting a fire, too. Time out. Back up, back up, back up. So she makes caramel candies. Mm -hmm. Did did it ever say what she laced them with? Was it like cyanide? Was it... No. Just... Okay. Just... Mm -hmm. She she poisons the candy. Mm -hmm. And and for the time of... um, That this happened, the time period, I'm sure it is either cyanide or arsenic. Arsenic would have been the big one back then. Um, Or... um, I mean, it was it was a medication at the time, but like mm-hmm. uh, cocaine or heroin, uh, they would have been medications at that time, so she could have laced them with that as well. But I think arsenic is probably the way to go. Yeah, probably. But okay, so the she kills her husband, he dies, uh-huh. and her neighbor comes over the next day. Yes, to check on her. So at this point, like, does everyone know that he's dead? Yes. Okay, so it's not like. She killed him, hit his body, and, like, the neighbor found out. Like, everyone knows he's dead. She's coming over to make sure she's doing well. Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, so, like, a large fire ends up being started outside the home. Um, The sheriffs arrive, and 
uh, try to take her into custody, calm her down. Clara becomes more aggressive and violent towards the officer. So then at that point, she's arrested. Okay. Okay. Um, and so there's actually a little newspaper article that I found. Um, and it states, wife poisons husband with candy. Clara Crane, 28 years old, was arraigned in the Haddock Street Court house Wednesday morning. Uh, Miss Crane is suspected by Ellis County Sheriff's of murdering her husband, Leonard Gilbert Crane, 41 years old, by poisoning on Friday. Jeez, he was like 13 years older than her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, mean, granted, it was the 1800s. I get it, but just caught me off guard. The <laughs> sheriffs allege that the Crane woman poisoned caramels that were then consumed by her husband the day after his death. A neighbor had come by the Crane house and found Miss Crane attempting to build a large fire next to the house in a shaken and frenzied state. Well, let's see. Let's see if this says any more about what the poison was. Um, basically, it just continues to say that she was physically aggressive with the sheriff and she was taken into custody um, and that the sheriff department would not comment on the possibility that Miss Crane might have had the intention of burning the residence down. I mean, that seems logical. So in my mind, she it, it almost sounds like a psychotic break. Like she decides to poison her husband. And that's what really drove her over the edge. And then she just decided burn everything, destroy everything. See, you know, also now that I'm reading this, so it says it takes place in Terrell. Right. But Ellis County is not where Terrell is. Yeah, no. And so that's, that's like Kaufman outside County. of our. Yeah, that's south of us towards like Ennis and Waxhatchee and all that. Right. Um, like Lone Star Road is Ellis County. Yeah, that's a couple blocks from our house. So, so, I mean, she does get to Terrell, so, but obviously, because it says that she, that they resided in Ellis County at Flint Crossing, a small farming community. Now, Flint Crossing, I don't know much about it, but. Um, it talks about the death of their daughter. Let's see. Oh, it looks like um, they did end up charging her with first degree murder. Really? And she was facing a life sentence. Um, and they do believe that she is suffering from mania. Mania, so... And she was kept in the Ellis County Prison Facility while she awaited trial. Gotcha. So... I don't, While you were talking about that, I was kind of trying to do some research mm -hmm. about, you know, Flint Crossing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came upon an article that talks about uh, the Native Americans that lived in Ellis County and where they would get their flint. And uh, apparently there's not a lot of flint in this area. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was like traded for. All right. But there was a... Uh, a crossing of Red Oak Creek and uh, an area of land that rises to a hill called Indian Hill uh, was called Flint Creek back in the day. So it's like a a little area right outside of Midlothian Cedar Hill area just south of us that was known as Flint Crossing at the time. Would that now be Red Oak since there's Red Oak, Texas kind of in between that area? No, in current day, it's right on the line of like Midlothian Cedar Hill. Oh, 
Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, so it's it's not far from from us. We could probably see where the old Crane homestead was at one or you know the land that it, which it sat on. Yeah. you know, a hundred years ago. Well, Clara was facing uh, first degree murder charges, and she ended up uh, standing trial. They found her competent enough um, to stand trial, at least. Um, she faced life in prison, um, which was actually the best that she could hope for. Um, she pled that she was suffering from mania at the time of the murder and um with that she did find a little leniency and they ended up sentencing her to life in an asylum instead of prison so this is where the tarot texas comes from because she was actually tried and convicted and um due to the insanity plea she was sent to the north texas lunatic asylum which is now known as the tarot state hospital have you ever been out there yeah, we, we've driven past there a couple times. Oh my times. god, yeah, because when, when I would go visit my friends and her family that lived in Tyrrell, we drove by one time, and oh, it's so eerie. Yeah. Like, you can just feel the weight of that area, and while it may be reformed now, but in the 1800s, you know, they were doing some very experimental yeah. treatments. <laughs> they they were locking up people with, like, genuine mental health issues that were, even in by today's day and age and standards, were treatable to where they could be normal people in society, mm-hmm. you know? And they took these people and locked them up and did all kinds of crazy Threw stuff Threw away to them. the key. <laughs> yeah, and they shock them, you know, electroshock therapy was a thing throughout the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like that's definitely where a lot of these stories go from regular stories to the urban legends they become is because asylums back in the day were i mean they were beyond yeah just yeah horrible a year into her sentence in 1896 doctors had noted that clara would tear up her bed sheets and make little dolls out of them um one of them she kept the whole time and she referred to it as marcy so after her daughter after her daughter um in 1899 due to overcrowding at the hospital clara was released yay so she was only in there for less than 10 years yes she was in there for that'd be like what six seven years okay so she went in in 1897 1895 so like four years four years yeah oh boy um clara or yeah so she was released she was um viewed by the staff as very charming soft-spoken and qualities that made her an ideal candidate for release so okay hang on look i'm just saying ted bundy was also charming and nice and we <laughs> saw what he did okay well but here's what i want to get to is that firstly the fact that the as it was called at the time, the lunatic asylum was overcrowded. I feel as though they were chucking all kinds of people in there. Oh, yeah. We could totally do an episode on that, too, because there was a place um, that I watched a documentary on, and even up into the 80s, like late 80s, possibly even into the 90s, what was that guy? Ronaldo Rivera or whatever. Was that his name? I don't know. He was like... um he had that show, he had like a talk show, but he was like a journalist. I don't know. You got me. If I showed you a picture, you'd know who he is. Sure. But he did one, I think it was one that was like in upstate New York, and 
you got to think also at this time, even babies that were born and they had Down syndrome, they would tell the family, oh, it's best for you to just send them to a place like this. Like they just assumed that they were not fit to be in society. So you had a lot of babies that were born with cleft palates and things like that. And they would just be like, oh, they need to be locked up when it's like that has nothing to do with how they're going to grow up. Yeah. Well, and again, I think that there was not a lot of understanding of mental health or physical deformity at the time. But to me, the fact that a lunatic asylum could be overcrowded and their first thought is, well, this woman murdered someone. We should let her go. Oh, let me get there. Okay, so let let me get back to the story. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) They end up saying that they believe her crime um was fine because they deemed it to be a crime of passion and she was ruled as an unlikely candidate to reoffend and um there was little record kept or that followed her care while she was there um and so once she's released the, nobody hears anything else from her so this is kind of where like the urban legend type thing kind of comes in because she's released but some weird things start happening around where she ends up living right well let's see at the time she would have been in her early 30s when she was released yes if she had murdered her husband at 28 and was convicted at 28 then she would be i guess 32 mm-hmm. four years later so mm-hmm. a 32 year old woman who you know back in the 1800s this is a spinster you know she's you know old mm-hmm. she, well not spinster she's a widower but you know she's never gonna marry again she's too old for that so they end up finding this letter um, or a copy of a letter and they don't know if uh, like a final draft was actually sent, but it's to her sister um, and they find it like once she leaves the asylum. Right. And it says, dearest um, Aggie, I am elated. I have been informed by Dr. Matthews that Marcy and I will be returning home in less than three weeks. As you can imagine, Marcy can barely contain her excitement. Every night she asks, is tomorrow the day we go home, mother? Very soon I will be able to tell her yes. Our stay here has been somewhat of a trial, though I have been grateful to the good doctor and his staff and their dedication to our treatment. Leonard's death had put us in such a severe state of melancholy that I fear um, we would never escape it. These past few years have been more difficult than any in my life, and my dear Marcella, after all she has had to endure, has become my strength and my flame of hope. So, she's, that sounds to me like a schizophrenic break in that she has placed the living image of her daughter on this doll. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a real person to her now. Which would make sense because isn't it normally around like your late 20s that it starts to show? Mid to late 20s, I believe, is when schizophrenia shows. Mm -hmm. And usually a traumatic event is what causes a, Mm -hmm. you know, you to have your first break. And if not treated properly, i.e., you know, the lunatic asylum, it will be, it will continue to become more and more your reality so in her mind her daughter is alive in this doll and she's like having conversations that she can hear and physically be a part of with a doll that she believes is her daughter and they were like yeah she's totally fine she can go back out in the world 
So a few years um, after Marcy, Marcy, after Clara was released, <laughs> um, in 1903, some children start going missing near near the old Crane homestead. Oh boy! Okay. Children reported finding candy on their windowsills in the morning. Sometimes there would be notes around the candy wrappers, um, and it actually wasn't until the first child went missing that people had started wondering. Was it Clara Crane? Right. Okay. Um, some nights, candy would appear, and on others, there would be nothing. Two siblings from a local farm had went missing, and people assumed they had been in, um, abducted. As the community was small, and it was presumed safe by most who lived there, um, they were concerned that they had somebody that was just abducting children. Right, like an outsider that had come mm -hmm. into the community or whatever, yeah. Over the years, nearly 10 children disappeared. And finally, out of fear, some children ended up finally admitting when they were older to their parents that they had also had candy left on their windowsills. And that all the notes would say uh, the candy lady at the end. They would always, that was the signature. So, I'm going to attempt to rationalize this for a moment. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and kind of try to put this in perspective because at this point is this urban legend or is this documented so it's it's documented by like sheriff reports about the missing children but the children have never been found and they've never found who did it well either. to be like, fair like we've talked about this before crime before like the 1920s you know the 1920s and before unless you were still there when the police got there you probably weren't going to get caught how about I finish the story and then we'll double okay. advocate. Go, go ahead. <laughs> so then a farmer ended up finding rotten teeth that appeared to belong children out in his fields wrapped in candy wrappers. Oh. Uh, a local sheriff started uh, questioning local farmers and um, really just all the townspeople. Right. And then he ended up going missing once he started asking more questions. And he was later found in a ditch dead with forks stabbed into his eyes and his pockets were stuffed with candy that said the candy lady. And that's also documented. Uh-huh. So they don't really know. Was it Clara Crane? Um, you know, was it a grieving mother that was driven to madness um, by the death of her daughter? Or is it something darker that's kind of been out there? Um, to this day, we don't really know. Nobody's ever been caught as far as I know, they documented that Clara kept to herself. Self. She worked on her homestead. She went to town once a week. She never remarried. She never had any more children. And she ended up just passing away peacefully on her homestead. So I have a theory. And it goes along with the idea of schizophrenia. Uh, well, a couple of ideas. So one is that she would have moments of lucidity where she would realize that her doll was not her daughter. And she would attempt to either gift candy to children or, and, or depending on her delusions, possibly find a replacement for Marcy. The other idea that I have is that she was taking children for Marcy to play with. And when they would try to run away, they would be, murdered that's a good theory and i think that the sheriff once she realized the sheriff was on to her and that he was trying to take away her 
children or her daughter's playmates, whichever it was, that she decided to make an example out of them and show that the candy lady meant no harm to anyone and to leave her alone. That's my take on all the evidence. Oh, and by the way, Clara Crane lived to be 82 and died in 1938. Really? In that homestead. like So, so wow, that she's... Wow. What's crazy to me is, like, the whole time she was in the asylum, the house was just... There? Kept for her? No, 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 no. So, old homesteads like that, obviously you didn't have, like, running water. You didn't have power, usually. Like, in the early 1800s, if you lived in the country, you didn't really have anything. So, it was just vacant, but when you go back... It's not like anything changed. It wasn't weatherproof beforehand. It's probably not weatherproof still. It's probably a little beat up. And she just had to fix it up. It's not like now where if you abandon a house, it gets musty and gross. And, you know, because there's no ventilation. Like, these houses, they were openly, openly ventilated. And they were, you know, no power, no running water, no nothing. So it wasn't that big a deal for a house to sit. You know, kind of like a cabin in the woods kind of thing. You know, people have like a hunting cabin. That will sit in most of the year unused, and they'll walk back in like nothing has changed, you know, a year later, two years later, or whatever. So that was that's kind of the thing about older houses. You know, we look at houses today, and we're like, if we leave the house for more than a week, something could go wrong. But back then, there wasn't really anything to go wrong. So, I'm looking at a picture of her, and she is, um, she's very pretty, but she has like <laughs> dead eyes. <laughs> So she looks a little crazy. <laughs> we're definitely have to post that picture to yes, the yes, Instagram. Yes, I'll make sure. She sounds lovely. Lovely. <laughs> no, she she definitely sounds like a person who lost reality. And now that being said, here's my thing. I think the story would be cooler, specifically, if evidence of quote unquote the candy lady kept popping up after 1938 and continued. Right. Like, that would be insane. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, like, if all of a sudden... But legend has it that when you're visiting small Texas towns, apparently not just in East Texas, but all over Texas, there have been reports of candy left on windowsills of children's bedrooms. Ah, so there is reports of the candy lady still being out there. I like how well this works with spooky season. I know we're trying to keep it spooky for October. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely a cool story. It's the fact that it's rooted in truth. It, it We have documented proof that this woman did this, this, this. And then after she was released from the asylum, all these crazy things happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it the creepiest because... While today, you know, like I just did, you can explain most of it scientifically. The idea that there's this, you know, crazy ghost of a woman who lost her child and killed her husband that gives candy to children is bananas. Yes. (laughs) That is so crazy. Yes. Now, the other thing I wonder. So either A, what if paranormally she could actually see Marcy still. Like, not just because she's a lunatic, but mm-hmm. because, you know, sixth sense kind of thing. She can see dead people, including her daughter mm-hmm. and her dead husband, and that drove her mad. Yeah. 
And then once she died, because of the guilt of murdering the husband and the daughter and possibility of the children, that's what drives her to keep giving candy to children. (laughs) (laughs) So. All right, guys. Well, that is the story of Clara Crane. The candy lady. The candy lady. So if you find candy on your windowsills. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Might have like arsenic or something in it. It's not good. Yeah, don't do it. And if you see notes from the candy lady, just leave, leave that shit alone. Don't don't mess with it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Bad juju. Absolutely <laughs> not. And if you have somebody that plays a joke on you, punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> we do not condone violence. That is something I have to say. But um, <laughs> in all in all reality, I I do like more of this kind of spooky story where it's like it's definitely rooted in reality. It really did happen. But it works so well with spooky season. I'm so excited. It really does. There are a lot of spooky um, or ghost type things out there, specifically just around like Fort Worth, Texas, the town that's really near us. And yeah, the stockyards, which, so, you know, there's lots of like there's like a ghost tour and everything down there. So I'd like to even after spooky season is over because I know there's so many stories out there. We'll have to sprinkle some of those in because they're really cool. And I would really like to go on one of the ghost tours down there too. Oh yeah. Because I know there's one about um is it like the Stockyards Hotel that's down there? It's like yeah, you know the original hotel or whatever. And there's like um a girl that stands in the windows and stuff. And I've seen that. some of the pictures that people have taken on the tours and I mean it really does look like there is something in the window. Yeah. So I also want to bring up something that it's been requested multiple times by a listener. Uh, Nate, if you're listening, we'll talk about it for a minute. All right. Since we have a shorty episode today, the Baker Hotel was suggested a lot, which is a very well-known hotel in Mineral Wells. And I've done a lot of digging. All right. And there are ghost stories galore. But unlike the Candy Lady... I haven't found much that's rooted in realism. There's been a lot of, oh, you know, this supposedly happened and this might have happened. Uh, if y'all, if if y'all as listeners would like, we can do an episode on the Baker Hotel, but it would probably be a mini episode. We might be able to like sneak it in like during the week sometime, maybe. But I love how it says the Baker Hotel and Spa. Oh, you yeah, know, it got rebranded. They're rebuilding it. Yeah, they're redoing the hotel, and it's gonna be beautiful when it's done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, it was beautiful in its heyday. Oh yeah, it was g- glorious as a hotel. I mean, it it you had some of the most famous people in the world come to that hotel. You had presidents stay there, Judy Garland. I mean, like big big names stayed in this hotel. What was going on at Mineral Wells back in the day? <laughs> so it was the mineral water, the mineral springs. Those supposedly had healing abilities. All right, because they were high in mineral content, and so I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that was a big draw for the town. Well, once it came out that mineral water didn't actually heal stuff and the highway bypassed the town, it kind of became, you know, what it is today where it's still hanging on, but barely, you know, and I think. How dare somebody take that away from them? If people want to believe water heals them. Exactly. Just like crystals and everything else. Well, and Believe there, what you want to believe. There are still people that believe in the Mineral Springs Mineral Wells. If you go out there, like, there are people that, like, you can still buy the Mineral Springs, you know, mineral water and all that kind of stuff. It's still a big deal. It's just not as many people. Like, back in the day, like, in the 40s, 50s, like, 
this was the big thing, and even before I mean, that, this especially was to me, I didn't, I didn't know that that. Was oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. It was during the forties, fifties, and sixties where we had this big boost in modern medicine and the crackdown on snake oil salesmen, you know, quote unquote, where they were like, "This isn't a real medicine. You shouldn't be, you know, going to some town." Because you know, people came from all over the world to go to Mirror Wells, Texas, for its healing properties. So, but, you know, when the, once the president said, there's no healing properties in this water, stop going to this place, it kind of, you know, started to die off. And then the highway bypassed it and poof, you know, it became a ghost town, basically. Mineral mm. Wells went from a booming town to, I want to say current population is, I know it's under 50. It might be under 20,000 people now. It's tiny. But, uh. Very interesting. But, yeah. So if y'all would like, we can do a full episode on it, I, on the Baker Hotel and Mineral Wells as a whole, but I just wanted to put it out there. I haven't found anything specific that, like, there was a specific murder that leads to a ghost story or anything like that. There's been talk of ghosts from all over the world of people that came to Mineral Wells and then to try to get healed and then left. And then they died elsewhere and, like, came back to Mineral Wells for some reason at the Baker Hotel, but it, I haven't heard anything specifically I was going to say, about any craziness they go in the, back hotel. To the hotel. And they're like, I drank your mineral water. <laughs> now I'm dead. So I'm here. But yeah, like I didn't, I didn't see anything specific, but if let's, y'all would like. Let's go haunt some people. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, I think that is going to wrap up our episode for today. Once again, we appreciate all the love and support. Like, shares, comments. Follows, subscriptions etc etc so on so forth so we hope that y'all have a great upcoming week and weekend what you got bear i was gonna say make sure to check us out on the instagrams at the girl the beard and the grim check us out there likes shares see all the creepy pictures from all of our episodes (laughs) (laughs) absolutely guys well we really appreciate it and we hope y'all have a great day and thanks for listening to the girl the beard and the grim y'all have a good one